do design decisions involve value judgments? Andy Halliwell has gone and posted this question on LinkedIn as part of our redesigning D&T project and debates. I think this is a really tricky one to answer and our expert group felt that it was an important question that needed debating. Do design decisions involve value judgments? I think firstly, I'd be saying, what do you mean by a value judgment, a values judgment? And maybe in your response to Andy's question, you'll explore what you understand and what your views are of what value judgments are and then whether they actually impinge on or affect the design decisions that designers make and also that children make in D&T lessons. So do join the debate. We're always open to conversation and discussion on this. But for now, on to the next episode. Welcome to a special guest host edition of the Talking D&T podcast, usually with Alison Hardy, but today with me, Max Parinal. I'll be bringing you some new voices and perspectives to add to the discussion around D&T education. Let's go. Okay, I think I think we're on. So uh, welcome everybody to the first of my guest host slots on Alison's uh, Talking D&T podcast. Thank you for letting me steer the ship while you, for a while, Alison. Um, hopefully there's no icebergs looming on the horizon. Um, so with these few, few recordings, I'm hoping to present some different perspectives on D&T education, particularly from women who've been successful in that education and beyond into the wider world. So to start that conversation, at the start of my first guest slot, I've got my first guest, lots of firsts, um, Emily Brooke. Emily, thank you for joining me on Alison's podcast. Um Hello, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about you and how you got to where you are? Yeah, uh, great. Hello. So my name's uh, Emily Brook. I'm a lecturer at Nottingham Trent University and I'm the year leader for BA product design at the moment. So steering steering the ship, as it were. Um, and then do you want me to talk about kind of now how I got there or is that going to be leading? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So your experience of kind of, yeah, how, what got led you to this point, I guess. Yeah, so um, I did a master's at NTU in 2016, Um, really enjoyed it and from there started uh, doing hourly paid lecturing work, mostly teaching CAD Um, and then from there basically loved loved working with the students, uh, loved getting involved with kind of that learning process and here I am five years later still doing it, Um, really enjoying it, yeah. Good, good. Okay, so so before that point, before you're coming, becoming aware of Nottingham Trent University, where where we both are, um, your kind of experience of D and T or whatever you did before then, how did that? How did you know this was kind of the path for you that you wanted to get into that masters? Um, so my secondary school was a technology college. So when we did our GCSEs, we had to choose the DT as a GCSE. Um, so you could choose between resistant materials, graphics, textiles, and food tech. Um, So I chose textiles at that point. Um, It was something that I was quite interested in. Um, And I did that for GCSE. Um, But they only ran that for about three years. So I think the school year above me and the school year below me had to do that. But then after that, they they stopped it. So by the time I got to A-level, there were... I think maybe 15 people doing product design. So I was thinking about this earlier, like it's quite strange that the whole year group, which was about 200 people, had to do a DT. 
at GCSE. And then by the time we got to A-level, there was like less than 10% still doing that. Yeah. Um, And I think it's because the only A-level they did was product design. So they'd done like the four separate kind of DT pathways and then gone, right, you can do product and that's it. Um, Because I ended up doing kind of like fashion and textiles within product at A-level, which was a bit weird because everyone else was designing lamps and stuff and I was doing dresses. Um, But all the theory was still resistant materials based. So it ended up being a bit strange kind of a mixture right okay that's interesting but uh, did you still did you still enjoy that experience I guess you still kind of what made you think you wanted to carry that on into university to your undergrad and onwards um so I I think for me like I'd, I'd always been quite creative anyway and I don't know if some of it was a bit of kind of defiance against my parents and being like I want to go and do something creative um they were very keen for me to go and do something like my other A-levels were English and geography so they were like go and do that you'll get a good job like and I was like "Mm, I don't think I want to do that um so I initially applied to university to do fashion design um and I think at the the point where I was going to interviews I'd realized because I was doing a product A-level instead of a a fashion or textile A-level there was a real gap in my knowledge so I then went on to do a foundation um, just to get kind of those extra skills that I, I was missing. Um, and that so was this still towards the, your, fa- your fashion angle. You was thinking to kind of go down that route still. Yeah. So it was an art and design foundation. Um, it was a year long, but everybody on that course wanted to go and do something creative at uni, but like there were people that wanted to do graphics. There were people looking at like visual communication, fashion product. Um, that w- that year was really brilliant like I I think when I think back to it now that was probably my favorite year of education because it was really experimental and you could kind of just do what you wanted but all of the staff seemed really like focused on trying to get you to find out what you wanted to do so I went into that thinking like I want to do fashion I want to work with textiles and then I think at one point they were like but everything you make is 3D like what (laughs) what are you doing like you're not making dresses or I don't know, curtains or whatever. It was it was all kind of big sculptural 3D pieces. So they kind of pushed me towards product in 3D, which is then what I applied for when I actually went to uni. Um, but that year was great. It, it was just great. We did everything. Okay, that's, that's, that sounds cool. So how, how does that great year compare to kind of the, the experience you've had before if you were at secondary school and at GCSEs, there was all these different options and then you came into A-level and it was just this one option mm-hmm. and you had to kind of manipulate that to kind of what you wanted. How, how does that experience kind of, what do you feel about that compared to you have this year that you love and then the years before, what's your thoughts? I think, like, looking back at it now, I think the way that the, the school stuff was structured wasn't anything to do with the staff. It was just to do with the curriculum that they had to teach. Like, they had to get you through an exam. And I think, for me, I found that year quite difficult because, obviously, my, my coursework and my project was fashion-based. But all of the theory I was doing was on, like, woods and metals and, like, hazardous materials. So, for me, that year just felt quite disjointed. And I think maybe other people that did that maybe wouldn't feel that as much because their project directly linked to it. Um, 
but I found it quite strange yeah compared to then this foundation where it was like go and do what you want like if you want to do painting today then you can do that or like if you want to do life drawing we can do that or if you want to make something out of leaves you can do that um so I guess it was it just felt less structured but but in that way you got to try a lot more and you got to actually work out what you enjoyed rather than having to kind of follow a syllabus of like today this is what you've got to do and you must learn about I don't know injection molding because your exam is going to be on that um whereas the foundation it was 100% coursework based and you could literally do anything for your final thing so it, it was really open which I think I enjoyed a lot <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's good yeah. yeah so it sounds like it was that kind of that freedom the kind of unconstrained away, away from like kind of a really tight syllabus mm. and and yeah you got to do this to pass an exam stuff that allowed you to kind of progress and develop but you still kind of came back to product design and dnt in eventually which is really nice um and good to see so so that was really nice that's good to kind of get your perspective of where you've come from and your experience of education now putting your your lecturer hat on and kind of bringing those experiences up to kind of what you're seeing in our first year. So you teach the you're the year leader for our first year BA product design course. What do you kind of see from them? How, is there anything kind of you can bring from your own experiences up to kind of see the people who are kind of weaker or stronger? And what do you think that their education is giving them or perhaps not giving them that you think they could be beneficial? Oh, I think something that is maybe still happening and happened with me when I was at uni is is like the representation of staff compared to students so I mean we're quite lucky I think at, at NTU that we have quite a lot of female members of staff and I think the students can see that um but we do still get female students kind of being like oh there aren't very many girls in here and I'm like well there, there are a lot more every year I think like there are a few more um I mean we're not at like 50 50 but it seems to be getting less of a like mostly boys and then some girls um so I think that's definitely improving but I think the representation that they're kind of seeing is getting better um sure so but I think there's still room for improvement um do you think that had an impact on the and the path you took through your education where you said you were kind of quite textiles based and then you were kind of forced into this for A, a levels, and then you kind of rebelled against that for foundation. Do you is there a, a representation factor in that that you thought was kind of what girls do, or was it just kind of you followed your passions and? Um, I think there was. So, like my GCSE textile class, there was one boy in it, like, and that was it right. because all the girls did textiles and food tech, and all the boys did graphics and resistant materials. Um, but also when I did my degree, so I did my degree at Leeds Beckett University. Um, it was a really small course, which again, I think was quite nice. Um, but there were three girls <laughs> and everyone else was boys. And it was, you felt very like I'm the woman. So I've got to do like the, the projects that are about women. Um, and our staff were, there were three female members of staff, but within my first year, one of them retired and one of them went on maternity leave. Um, so it wasn't until my second year that I really saw that like female representation, of like, oh, I can actually do that. And that, I don't know. Like we had a really, she was a PhD student um, who came to work with us and she was looking at renewable energy in the Gambia. And I think at that point I was like, wow, like actually women do do this and it's really cool. But I think up until that point, I felt very like, 
it was a manly, a manly kind of thing to be doing, I sure, guess. Sure, yeah. Um, but I do think that's improving from from what I've seen. And even on the, the course that I did now, like, I mean, I'm still in contact with some people there and there are a lot more female students and staff. So I think the representation is getting better, but I think there's still more that we could do. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it is an interesting kind of current topic and I'm currently studying on, on, on Alison's master's. Um, come and do it if you want to be interested in education master's. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of conversations going on with kind of all levels with of us in higher education and then secondary and down into primary about different kinds of representation, decolonizing, lots of lots of different things going on. So hopefully there's a kind of, as the future generations comes through, excuse me um we'll get a bit more of kind of yeah representation and stuff so the focusing on that still a bit more the projects that you did so I know you I'm aware you kind of you did a project with the RCA and things with, with part of your undergrad or your master's and and that was around kind of feminine health kind mm. of style things do you again do you think you were was that a passion driven from you or was that kind of a passion driven from kind of or like something society was kind of subtly imposing on you or what gave you that direction I think a bit of both so we were given in our final year three RSA briefs and one of them was on packaging and reducing packaging waste one of them was on like upcycling office furniture and then the other one was on maternal health care um all the girls picked that one (laughs) <laughs> and one of the guys and everybody else did like the other two and I think at that point I was really like oh like the girls are doing the women like I don't know it felt really like the girls had almost taken that responsibility of like well this is a project about women so the women should be doing that pro- I don't know I did feel like a responsibility to choose that brief um sure and I mean for me it, it did turn out quite well I mean I won the RSA award and then within my master's kind of went to uh like carried on with it a bit but I think looking back now I do wish that maybe I'd just picked I don't know something like really beautiful to do like I think I was trying to tackle really hard topics but I guess I felt a response like a responsibility to do that because nobody else was um sure. yeah mm. it's interesting you say that because uh, the, the other end of kind of D&T education the kind of the final year of our undergraduate and I guess kind of postgrads you do find that a lot of the a lot of the female students want to kind of tackle these big ethical dilemmas uh, safety on the streets and kind of sorting out the NHS in a project and things and it's it is interesting that whilst it's really good to have those kind of um <clears throat> wider ethical ideas those get those projects are really difficult to do and sometimes yeah is it nicer just to kind of do something that's really beautiful but you you something for you it's a it's an interesting mm. dynamic to to think about okay so so with that idea then of kind of the representation changing and and more kind of women role models appearing and hopefully these this series of podcasts I'm running hopefully produce some more of those role models to show that people are being successful in the in the industry well how would you for people kind of teaching students that are coming up to hopefully coming up to higher education or off into the design world in some way, have you got any kind of advice or things you think they could do to kind of help out with the, the issues you're seeing? Oh, I think it's it's showing that lots of different people kind of do do this kind of as a job. So, I mean, we've tried to do it a little bit in our the first project we do with the first years this year. So we, we get the students to to kind of design 
a household product in the style of a designer. And this year, we'd kind of opted for like not doing it with any kind of straight white men, just to show that like there are other people out there. And I don't know, I think stuff like that can be really useful just to show that that there are people doing those jobs that are like you. And I think the more you can do of that, the better, really. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. Just, sure. Just yeah. Show. Great. No, I think that's the <clears throat> that's the start of it, I guess, isn't it? To kind of yeah have good examples to show and not not mm-hmm. fall back to our good old Philippe Stark and yeah. the, the old kind of typical people and Dyson as wonder, as wonderful as those people may be. Um, <clears throat> it's good to have some kind of yeah nice examples of um, people doing things differently or people being successful that you wouldn't necessarily think about. So. That's really good. And yeah, mm-hmm. hopefully we we do that too as well. Um, okay, excellent. So the kind of, my final kind of question for you then, is there anything interesting that you'd like to kind of share in terms of articles, podcasts, books, things you've read that you think could be really beneficial for other people to read and, and kind of think about as they develop? Mm, yeah, I think as a, as a design student, I was really like, oh my God, I need to know loads of stuff about design and like designers. But I think actually it's more useful to just look at, kind of everything which I don't know if that makes sense but like watching even watching the news and stuff like that like I think you need to be really aware of the world around you to be able to understand particularly as a designer like how people work and like you can kind of build up empathy so for me like I listen to a lot of podcasts um because they're they're quite easy to digest um they're good on the tram uh which I spend a lot of time doing um but for me, like the guilty feminist is a great one. Um, because I mean, particularly for women, I mean, they tackle really big women's issues. Um, but also just issues that are kind of surrounding people that have less of a voice. So I think what they do is really nice. I mean, they're every week and sometimes they're like really kind of big feminist topics. And sometimes it's something that's like kind of really small and, and everything that they say is really kind of valid and important and like educational. And quite a lot of the time I'll be stood on the tram like, wow, I hadn't even thought about that. Like, so that's, that's a really good one. And it is quite light. So it's not too like information kind of all the time, um, which is nice. Um, there was another podcast I listened to last year that was put on by the British Library called Unfinished Business. And that's another one looking at women's rights. Um, I think it's only like an eight part thing. Um, but again, quite in- interesting to look at that from like kind of historical events from a female perspective. So that's that's quite interesting and one to, to have a listen to. And it's quite short. Um, and then with with books, I've been reading some books uh, at the moment. Um, I've been reading one called The Future Earth at the moment, um, which is more around the environment and sustainability uh, by Eric Holt House. Um, but it's almost like a, a future forecast of like how bad global warming could be if we kind of carry on the way we're going at the moment. Um, and that's been really interesting because it's it's almost like a, reading like a dystopian future novel, but actually it's all based on kind of fact and it could potentially happen if, if we carry on the way we're going, um, which is quite interesting. It's quite nice to look in there for, for projects and things that we could potentially be doing with our students. Um, so yeah, they're... There are a few things, but it's it's looking at things around you and not just focusing on that design kind of stuff all the time. Sure, or that design, yeah, curriculum or something, which yeah. is yeah, sometimes 
squeezed and squashed and forced into a specific way of doing things and mm. yeah hopefully hopefully people listening to this if anyone is listening um hopefully those people are kind of yeah willing to look beyond there and stuff and excited about interesting um things like this and yeah maybe maybe re- saving the future earth for um uh, uh, on the beach or something where you've got a positive out- outlook around yeah. these uh, <laughs> negative tones but um brilliant no thank you thank you very much emily um thank you for your time um so i'll make sure that those um, recommendations for books and podcasts are in the show notes um other than that yeah feel free remember to share um like and share this and uh, follow Alison and everything on her on her socials and all those other things that she likes to talk about at the end of her podcasts. Um, but no, really interesting chat, really informative. Hope that was useful for the people listening. And um, yeah, for myself, I look forward to speaking to you guys and our next chapters of our guest hosts. Otherwise, thank you very much, Emily. Thank you. And um, see you all again. Bye.